and and being heterosexual isn't perfect. Yeah. Did I just say out loud. Oh my gosh. I know. Um, <laughs> I know. Y'all are messy. I don't know if you've seen straight people, but straight people are are messy. They <laughs> yeah. are. I think everybody could be messy, but oh my word. Oh, yeah. Hi, welcome to Half In, Half Out, the only LGBTQ plus gymnastics podcast. I'm Kino. And I'm Blake. And today we are bringing you our first ever interview which was with Randy Lane, um, and oh, it was phenomenal. It I'm was. So it kind of changed my life in a lot of ways, um, and I'm like clinging to it. Like this, there were so many good things in this interview, so. There really are. So we talk about uh, being a queer person in the sport as a coach and as an athlete. We talk about Mars's floor routine and why that was important. We talk about Randy's gay gymnastics journey. Yes. We talk a little bit about what coaches can do or can be thinking about in terms of making spaces a little more inclusive for queer people. Uh, And we've got like the good, the bad, and the in-between. So it was a really great conversation. And we're so, 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 so thankful to Randy for being willing to be a guest on a podcast that when he's interviewing I mean, barely existed. Yes. Uh, he hadn't even heard an episode. So um, extremely thankful to him. He had for a lot of faith in us. That. He really did. Um, and Randy's lovely. So I really hope everyone enjoys this. I do too. So just some background on Randy, and then we'll shoot you back in time to our interview with him. Um, Randy was the assistant head coach for UCLA Gymnastics from 2017 to 2019, but he was there off and on. Um, throughout the 90s and 2000s. As an assistant. As an assistant coach. Uh, He's also coached at UC Santa Barbara and Florida and Michigan State. He's been a head coach as well. Uh, As a coach, he won eight Pac-12 championships, five Big Ten championships, and three national championships, and was named assistant national assistant coach of the year in 2000. So he's good at what he does. Yes. Uh, he was also a gymnast. He was Indiana's Athlete of the Year as a gymnast. Uh, and he helped, um, he went to University of Illinois and helped them win two Big Ten Conference Championships and a national championship. Randy is also the chair of the Collegiate Gymnastics Growth Initiative, which promotes awareness in the pursuit and addition of new women's collegiate gymnastics programs across the country and aims to provide more opportunities for college-bound gymnasts. Um, they provide information, financial aid, um, and they, that includes setup costs, budgetary help, facility use, all of that, and presentations to athletic department um, administrators and university presidents to consider the option of adding women's collegiate gymnastics to their university. And one thing that we cut just for my sake um, was if you are in any way in a position to be able to help with that cause, if you like me work at a university or you know folks who work at a university, 
um, especially in athletics, and you think there's a chance that that someone at that school might be willing to listen, Randy would love the help in getting more college programs started. He does mention um, that there's a new program being added that he can't tell us who yet. We still don't have that answer, but once we do, we'll tweet it out for you. Are we allowed to say that? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> I'm not cutting that out. <laughs> um, keeps it real. But yes, so without further ado, any further ado, this is our interview with Randy Lane. All right. So joining us now uh, is the wonderful Randy Lane. Randy, thank you for being here with us. Absolutely. So honored to be your first actual guest. So this is exciting. I'm excited for both of you and excited for what the future holds for you. So I think that since I'm on episode one, I should be on episode 100 too. Yes, perfect. <laughs> You'll be our first interview and our last interview and as many in between as you want. Oh Great. my gosh, that was so, wow. that was so morbid. I know. <laughs> That's how you'll know. Um, <laughs> perfect. So um, we wanted to talk to you about what it has been like for you to be uh, a queer person in the gymnastics space, um, starting out as an athlete and then as a coach uh, and now doing the work that you're doing to grow the sport. I think a good place to start um, would just be so that we're all using the right terminology wise. Um, how do you describe your sexual orientation? Like what are the words that you use? Um, I, I don't necessarily use words nowadays, but I would identify myself as a gay male who uh, loves another man. So that's me. That's who I am. Gorgeous. So I noticed that uh, at other times when you've talked about your coming out process, you kind of said like, yeah, I've been out the whole time. I've been coaching. Um, but besides that or prior to that, what was your coming out experience? How old were you? Who were you talking to? What did your life look like? Wow, that's a very uh, um, big question with a lot of uh, answers. Um, there was one point in my coaching career that I was, I went kind of back in the closet, but to start back of, of when I started feeling more confident and comfortable in my own skin was, I think the biggest turn was when I went away to college. Um, and as sad as this is, I think, young adults go away to college to kind of find themselves. And I think that that is truly what I did as I, I was able to experiment and be who I thought I wanted to be and, and not be in this quote heterosexual world where I had to live up to other people's expectations. So I really started to, um, uh, I guess, um, embrace who I was and, be okay with who I was during my college years. And I slowly started coming out to um, a couple of teammates um, and uh, a couple of, of the female teammates on my team at the University of Illinois. And of course, you know, that can go either way. You know, your, your friends may be um, overly sensitive and not want to be in your life or believe in, in you and who you are but all of my friends were right there beside me and uh, didn't change their love for me in any way, shape or form. So that allowed me to be even more confident with who I was. And it allowed me to let my guard down uh, 
to a, to a degree to really kind of start trusting people with my true identity of who I, who I was and who I was hoping to find to love at some point in my life. And so, so in the, you're ahead. competing at that point, right? Yes, I was competing. And I'm so sad that you didn't find any footage of, of me doing gymnastics. Oh my nothing. gosh, we should have dug deeper. I you know what? No, there, no stats, no nothing. I wanted to brag I, about you so hard. One of my teammates just posted something on the NCAA men's site on Facebook. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen myself compete for many, many years. So I reposted it on my Facebook. So you'll have to look there for my routine from back in the day so oh my we'll, we'll find a way to put it in like yes. a link so people can can see this i'm excited because you've seen chris waller it's not fair you know yeah i want to see a young randy lane competing <laughs> i, I want you to go there. compete right now yes let's do it <laughs> back in the fun days you know um it was you know what it it was um i i think that back in the day i was able to really separate um, the student, the gymnast, and who I truly was. And when I was able to kind of, quote, let my hair down and be who I was around my, my friends that knew about me fully, it definitely allowed me to be a better gymnast and it allowed me to be a better student. So I think that that's one thing that when, when um, LGBTQ people hold things inside about who they truly are and not let people in, it, it creates more stress, pressure, and um, a, a sense of responsibility of what do I do with this information? Who can I share this with and, and trust? And, and it just affects so many different parts of, of your life and it, and it affected different parts of my life. So I, yeah. I think that would be one thing that young people um, need to have that outlet and have mentors to be able to, to express how they're truly feeling. Well, and it seems like too, for you, it was that you needed like somebody to talk to. And it didn't have to be that you were necessarily like out to everyone or everyone at once that you were able to like make like safety decisions, but also like finding that, that telling somebody was better than telling nobody. 100%. And when when I was able to tell one person, it, it became easier to tell another person and then another person. Um, because I knew at that point I had people that backed me up and were there uh, for me no matter what. Um, as far as, you know, when I went into my coaching realm of things, you know, I was a very out coach. Um, my first stint at UCLA um, with Val. Um, back in the early 90s, I, I had no problem being who I was and expressing who I was. I was, I was, uh, I was Peter Pan in a show called Phantasmic at Disneyland. Um, <laughs> oh Val. Well, yeah, it's like the Miss Val drag spectacular. So that exactly, makes sense. Exactly, <laughs> right? So I, you know, I, I, um, I had at that point been fully in touch with, with who I was and, and what I wanted to accomplish in life. And in the gymnastics coaching realm of, of the college world just kind of fell into my lap. You know, Val called me initially about doing a show at SeaWorld and I was already doing the show at Disneyland. So, but I jokingly said, I, you know, if you wanna, if you need a new assistant coach, just let me know. And that's kind of how it all started for me. Um, her biggest concern that I was gonna be looking at the guy gymnasts more than 
then paying attention to the female gymnast. And I'm like, that, that, that was, there was no problem there. I was not attracted to male gymnasts. I just, they were like my brothers. So I didn't want to be attracted to them. So uh, that was not a problem and, and work was work. Um, so the, the passion for gymnastics kind of grew, you know, I, I left UCLA after a couple of years and um, thankfully, I think, <laughs> thankfully, um, I became the head coach at a school, University of California, Santa Barbara, which no longer has a team. Um, and that is where I became a little bit more um, conservative in who I let know about me. You know, it was, it was kind of starting over and, you know, were my athletes going to trust me? Were they going to be open to this gay man being their, their head coach? And would they accept me? And I think I kind of went through everything I had gone through as a freshman in college all over again. And when it started to, to play out and they understood who I was, then it, it all completely changed. So I think I became a better coach for that. And um, I feel at that point was really my coming out completely because at that point I was who I was and people either took me or, or left me. So I was very thankful to have had that opportunity because it allowed me from this point on to truly live my life as a gay man who um, doesn't necessarily have to identify as gay, but just as a, a good person who has a big heart that is positive in their thoughts and um, just happens to be gay and short, you know, I'm short. <laughs> also. If you want to hold well, that against me, then you can do that. So uh, is it Santa Barbara? Aren't they the, um, the banana slugs? Bait? No, that's, that's Santa Cruz. Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> Santa Barbara was the gauchos, the Argentinian cowboy. Oh my goodness. That's also like the pants from my childhood. I've never heard of. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So do you, did or do you have any um, LGBTQ plus role models in or out of sports? You know, I, growing up, I didn't, um, unfortunately. You know, I, I think that um, movies and television back in the day, sorry about that, um, movies and television back in the day were, I don't want to sound mean, but I think that, you know, the stereotypical gay man was the one that was portrayed in movies and television shows back then. Right. And that is what I saw. Um, and I, that's, I think that's why I, not questioned who I was, but I think that's why I, I questioned, is that all that there is? Mm -hmm. And not that there's anything wrong with anybody but I think that there are so many different people out there that have personalities and um, demeanors that are a lot different than how Hollywood portrayed that back in the many, yes. many years ago. Yeah. Um, so growing up, I did not have any role models that I could look up to um, in the sense of having them in my daily life. Um, of course, you know, in hindsight, I had many teachers growing up that were gay. Yeah. Um, and I had an uncle who was gay, um, but I, I never had somebody who openly would pull me in and say, you're going to be okay, kid. And right. I think for the young community is sometimes they just need that. They just need to know that they're going to be okay. And I think yes. if I had had that as a person or as a role model to say, 
Randy, you're okay. You're, you're not a bad person. It would allowed, I think it would have allowed me to be who I was sooner, but you know, I, I think everyone has their own path and their own journey. So I'm glad that I was able to, to seek out quote my own um, role models. And I, I, Honestly, I, I don't look at um, those people as influencing my life more than my coaches or friends or teachers or my parents. Um, I feel like once those all, the, all those people knew about me and who I was, they embraced me and became even better role models to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. You know, I think, you know, today's uh, media, oh my gosh, it's just, it's so incredible to see all of these different um, shows that have LGBTQ people in them. And, and it's just, it's, it's amazing. You know, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of one of those bingers, those Netflix mm -hmm. bingers that loves to watch crazy shows all in one weekend. So, and now that I have a little more time on my hands, it's <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, I don't know if you guys have seen the the new RuPaul show, the uh, AJ and the Queen. I don't really like the title, but um, I've only seen uh, some clips of it. I've only seen Trixie and Katya reacting to it. I have not seen it. <laughs> it's, it's really not good. The first couple episodes, uh -huh. it, becomes, it becomes much better as it goes along, and it's a very endearing story. So I. I applaud RuPaul. I see him here in West Hollywood where I live all the time and you can never miss him. One day I drove past him and I'm like, who is this big person in this perfect <laughs> And I drive past and I look over and it's RuPaul. I'm like, this is great. So, um, <laughs> but it, it, it's fun, you know, living in this area, knowing people that are um, in the LGBT community, Q community that may not necessarily play those roles, um, but don't shy away from who they are. So that's, you know, living in Hollywood is just that. It's all smoke and mirrors. And um, I think that many of the gay people in our, in our world uh, have been able to stay in the closet and pretend to be something else anyway. So I think it's not a far stretch for an actor to, to do that as well. So. Oh, for sure. So when, when you were talking about um, that somebody just needing to kind of tell you like, yeah, you're going to be okay, kid. It fully took me back to like being in the gym. Um, Cause same, right? Like I also wasn't really hearing that, especially in like an athletic context um, that I didn't realize until I was older that like, oh, I don't feel like coaches were actually kind of like rooting for me um, or that the other kids liked me. And now I'm like, oh, it's because I was just like this super queer kid who was like, nobody knew how to engage with. Um, and so I'm curious, like prior to you going to college and kind of having like the language and being able to talk about who you were with other people, what did it just like feel like to be in the gym, to be a gymnast and just like, did you have those feelings of just like, I feel different from these people or I'm uncomfortable and I don't know why. Yeah, I think, you know, through my adolescence, I went through a lot of different phases. Um, you know, the immediately, the immediate thought that I had was, is there something wrong with me? Why, why do I, why am I looking at this guy? Why, why am I looking through Sears catalogs at the hot men versus 
the women, you know, when, when all my other friends were looking, you know, at other things that I would never even think about. Um, so I, I think that was the initial look in the mirror at myself and say, something's wrong with me. Um, once I realized that it's who I was and, and I couldn't suppress those feelings, you know, even though I had girlfriends in high school and even my first year of college, I feel that I was living this lie and I was being quote an actor and really kind of portraying this person that everybody else, I thought what I thought everybody else wanted me to be so that I wouldn't disappoint them. Um, whether it be my parents or my brothers or my, my coaches or whomever, um, I feel that I was trying to live this perfect little mold of an athlete and gymnast. And um, you know, I, I was pretty successful at a very young age and was, was doing high level gymnastics at, at, you know, nine or 10 years old. And when I got to the point of being 16, that's when I really started to, um, I never tried to do suicide or abuse myself in any way, but I definitely went on the side of being a bad boy for a little while. And I think that that, um, and that, that meant, that meant going to a party on a Saturday night and having right. a beer. Okay, that was a lot <laughs> right. different then, you know, no drugs involved. But it, it definitely, you know, I had to be this, quote, rebel in order to um, kind of, you know, branch out to find who I was. And, and you know, in the gymnastics community, it, it felt like, you know, I was called sissy growing up the whole way through grade school and, mm -hmm. and almost junior high. And, and I remember in fifth grade, I had a, a, the school bully called me a sissy and he called it, called me that on recess, right in front of my one, one of my friends who she was a much bigger girl. So she was like five, three or five, four then in fifth grade. So she was tall and yeah. you didn't mess with her. Yep. Oh, sorry. That's and how tall that, I am and now. That was, so. And that was me. And that girl was me. That girl was basically. You. It basically that was me. <laughs> oh, but see, I, I'm just thinking about how I'm that tall now, and I haven't <laughs> grown since like I was 12. So I, I am currently five feet ten inches tall. In eighth grade, I was five feet ten inches tall. I quit gymnastics in eighth grade. Oh my god! <laughs> it was a problem. So this bully picked on me at recess. He pushed me and my friend went over and slugged him and he, he stopped bullying me. And we got to seventh grade and we were in the same PE class. Oh no, I was like, this is gonna be scary. And at that point, you know, when you're a little boy gymnast, you start getting muscles about that time, sixth, seventh grade. And he said, where did you get those muscles from? And I said, from that sissy sport, gymnastics. Right? Uh, Shut him down from that point on. He never bothered me again. So, uh, I love it. Yeah. So our advice to the, to the youths of today is going to be like, have a better quip and you'll be right. fine. Exactly. Oh, and have like a really tall friend who can, you know, punch your bully exactly. in the face. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... You've talked a little bit, um, or not a little bit necessarily, but you've talked about how, um, you know, when you first started coaching at UCLA, you were out and then you went up to UC Santa Barbara and you were not out and then you were. Um, how do you think that being gay has impacted your coaching career and has have parents, athletes or colleagues 
ever given you any issues? Yes. Um, you know, as a young man, I, I think we are, as young people, always trying to discover who we are. And I think that in the early years of my college coaching career, I, I was still trying to figure the sport out. You know, I, I have some of those women from the UCLA days in the first years that laugh at me now, and I'm still really great friends with them. Um, Megan Fenton's one of them. Amy Thorne is another one. They, they were the first two perfect tens. Amy Thorne was the first ever perfect 10 at UCLA. Um, her daughter's a pro soccer player now. She just got drafted. Yeah. Oh. So, but, you know, having those women kind of, you know, be at the same age as me. I was 24 when I started coaching college gymnastics and, and they were, you know, right at 21. So we weren't that far apart. So we were yeah. real, really kind of friends more than anything. So they would, they would kind of, you know, give me grief constantly about, I'd be like, okay, what, what do you, I'm like, do free hips on bars today. And they're like, we don't do free hips. And I'm like, okay, well then get up and do giants. I don't know. <laughs> and so in the first couple of, of days of coaching or years, I was just trying to figure out one, the sport, because I had come from, you know, being a male gymnast in college to coaching club one, a recreational club, and then later on a, a competitive club. But I was just trying to figure out the women's side of the sport. So with regards to, you know, athletes or other colleagues not embracing me at first, yeah, that, that happened. Um, and, and it happened with a, a, an athlete at UCLA. And, and um, you know, we, we worked our way through it. And once she kind of understood and discovered who I was as a person, that outweighed any of my sexuality in her mind. So I think, you know, that was a really important lesson for us both to learn. Um, she's now a doctor. So she is, you know, one of my biggest fans and has reached out to me several times since, um, you know, everything uh, with my career, um, my retirement um, this past spring. So she, you know, I think that's a part of it. I was growing, but also I've helped these young women grow to, understand that what you see or what you hear in society is not always the truth. And to be able to um, be a mentor in that way for young people that may not be in our community, but may not know enough about it and, and are judgmental, to get them to change their thoughts and beliefs because of what I've done and who I am and my character of, as a person, um, that's, that's really a priceless thing. And that's, that's, part of the reason that relationships are so important for me throughout my, my whole coach, coaching career. I've, I've enjoyed having those relationships with people and, and helping them along the way. Uh, as far as colleagues go, I've never had anybody, you know, blatantly get in my face and be a bully to me. Um, behind my back, people have bullied me and on the social media, people have bullied me, but I, I don't necessarily pay attention to those people. Um, if they're not in my daily life or they're not a part of of believing in who I am as a person, then they don't really know who I am. So I, I just kind of turn away. Um, unfortunately, I, I feel that there are still some young coaches out there and maybe even some head coaches that um, are afraid to come out um, as queer and, and, and are afraid to maybe not necessarily embrace who they are, but afraid of any um, circumstances that they may have if they come out uh, and, and present themselves as as a gay person or a lesbian person, so yeah. or a trans person or whomever. And I think that that's, 
those are the people that I identify with in the sense of being able to help them through that. And, and to be honest with you, it's everyone's own journey. And I would never tell somebody to do something. Oh, you have to do this. And that's, that's not my place. That's not your place. That's not anybody's place. It's for them to do it on their own time and to uh, just be that support when they do do it. Yeah. Do yeah. That. I can relate a lot. Um, in that, um, oh God, it's all just so familiar. I can't even. Um, okay, so you had talked about some folks, um, that there are folks that just like haven't come out. Um, and we know this, um, and this is true in, in lots of different sports and lots of different professions that, that people don't feel safe to come out. But we have noticed as, as we're trying to do research for this podcast, um, almost everybody who has talked about being queer uh, has been men. Uh, and so from, from your experience uh, or in your opinion, why do you think that is that only male gymnasts have felt safe or comfortable or like they've been able to, to, to come out after competing? <laughs> I, I, I feel like there's still um, some taboo around uh, being a lesbian in our sport. And I think it's due to the fact that um, they wear leotards. It's hypersensitive to feminism in, in the greatest sense of the word. Um, and I, I feel that now there are more young women that are identifying as bisexual or uh, as as queer. And I think that it's being able to give them their own voice to be able to come out on their own terms is truly important. And I think with everything that's happened in our sport in the last couple of years, I think more and more young women are being empowered oh, yeah. to tr show their true colors and be who they are and embrace that and not, not hide anymore or be afraid because they shouldn't be afraid. Nobody, I, no one should be ever, ever, let me back this up. No one should ever be afraid of being who they are. If people cannot relate to you or accept you for who you are, then you don't need them in your life. You have other people who are going to pick you up and be your positive um, support. So I, I have worked with young women who have been either bisexual or lesbian. Mm -hmm. um, I do know a few... Um, out uh, female, former female alumni gymnast from institutions. And I, you know, when I do see them, I embrace them. And, and I think that it's in our sport, you know, it's still that hypersensitive factor of you're these little girls in boxes, you know, that whatever that term mm -hmm. is, they, yeah. people put them in this little pedestal and they, the perfection thing is just not real people. Um, and, and being heterosexual isn't perfect. Yeah. I just said it out loud. Oh my gosh. I know. Um, <laughs> I know. Y'all are messy. I don't know if you've seen straight people, but straight people are, are messy. They <laughs> yeah. are. I think everybody could be messy, but oh my word. Oh mm. uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Florida man. That's not gay people. Um, uh, yeah. 
Perfect. I have, you know, I have two older brothers and I, I have another brother who is gay. So it's, That's you know, cool. we outnumber our heterosexual older brothers. <laughs> it's perfect, you know. There's no fear of him in giving me any grief about this either because I'm That's sure awesome. he listened to your podcast. But right. I will say to him <laughs> as soon as we get it done and over with. So. There we go. I know a lot of families that have like multiple queer kids. I know a couple of families that have multiple trans kids and I'm just like, Oh, that's gotta be so cool. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm one of two. So yeah, I'm one of two kids and, and my sibling is married to in, to a man. She's, I I said that so weird. She's a woman (laughs) married to a man. (laughs) She's straight, Mary. She's, She's straight. straight. She's straight, I know, it's hard. I know it's hard to say. I know it's taking you a long time to accept her, but <laughs> you can say it out loud. I think you're ready. Um, I think it might be. Okay. I want to take a complete left turn. And just because to me, this is the best thing. They're opening, um, are opening music. Please tell me what, what your feelings were around Mars's floor routine last year. Um, you know, obviously the, the, um, floor routines at UCLA are telling a story, you know, very interestingly when, when she did the, I I, see, I'm so not hip, but when she did her little (laughs) drop or whatever it's called at the end, when, when she started practicing that in the gym and I was like, oh my gosh, she needs to watch Pose. Yeah. And I went up to her and I said, have you seen Pose? And she's like, No. And I'm like, girl, you have got to get on TV and watch Pose. So once she started watching it, she was just obsessed. And, you know, Marzetta is one of those rare people who embraces everyone around her and loves everyone. Um, And and I think that her tribute to people that she loves is she's going to do it however she sees fit and however it makes her feel. She... I love that she did that routine because it spoke volumes to the world. Um, And I I wish that it had gone viral as well. And I know that many, many people saw it. And I think that many, many people were inspired by this young woman making a statement in a floor routine. And I think that's what we as a sport need to do more of because um, we are popular. We are um, in the limelight. And I think that with everything that's happened these last couple of years, I think more women are doing that. They're telling their stories. They're, they're having a platform. They're expressing who they are. And they're, they're actually going after things that make them tick versus being this perfect little gymnast, like a robot, you know? Yeah. So I'm proud of Marzetta. She, um, she's a, a great person. She texts me all the time, just says I love you and miss you and all that. And um, I have not seen her new floor routine yet this year, but I'm oh. sure it's great as well. So. It is wonderful. And also um, she was so nice to us. Oh my gosh. She was so, so nice to us. She was so, 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 so sweet to us. Um, and I really like as a trans person, I super appreciated that she had like done her research and um was acknowledging a part of our culture in inside of gymnastics in a way that I just like never thought I would get to see. It was just lovely for me. Great. And hopefully that that touched more people 
that allowed them to feel comfortable with who they are and and expressing who they are to the ones that that they love you know i i you know that's that's always the hope of our sport is that it crosses over to a bigger audience that can actually watch and say wow that spoke to me um you know i met with an artist this week a couple of days ago and and he's an incredible artist and he's been working with Pang on a couple of different things and he's working with Kate on something as well and and he's just a very well-known artist whose daughter happens to be a gymnast and he loves the sport so much he sees what it does to help her confidence as an 11 year old and he sees the the role models that these collegiate gymnasts are um, and thank, thankfully for TV, I think that's why more and more younger gymnasts are staying in the sport longer is because they're seeing those women having a great time and, and seeing them make a statement. And I think that that's exactly what Mark Zetta did. She made a statement. Climate change, floor routine, it's time. <laughs> um, well, and I'm just glad that it's giving, it's getting, you know, more coverage and everything because I'm the type of person where if I say at work, oh, I, you know, I stayed up to watch gymnastics, people just look at you like you're crazy. You're crazy. Like I'm only, wa- I mean, I'm only watching sports that people don't care about, unfortunately, but they're just like, you're what you stayed up to watch gymnastics. And I'm like, I absolutely yeah. did. It just, sorry that it's not football. <laughs> That's the difference between me and you though, of like you have a more like closeted like work environment for yourself. Incredibly whereas so. I literally people are talking about like football and I walk in and I'm like, oh girl, I don't know. I was watching gymnastics and like it's just <laughs> like like I just I have a different way. I can I get to approach it differently. Yes. Um okay, so we've got one more question from Kino and then um there's a couple of good questions from Twitter and then we'll kind of like let it let you plug whatever you want and then we should be good to go. Okay. So what do you want coaches to know so that they can better support queer gym, queer gymnasts, trans gymnasts, essentially any gymnast, but those two specifically? <laughs> I would say tolerance. You know, I, I think communication is, is key in any success that you have. And, and if an athlete is truly working hard at their craft, which is our sport of gymnastics, and they are making an impact and they're, they're a great leader and they are um, a team player and they have the ability as an athlete, you need, to, you need to understand them. And I think, you know, in the college world, we, I know as I, at myself as a coach in college, I really work to get to know the person Mm -hmm. instead of just the gymnast. And I felt it was really important to have them be heard. Um, You know, I I have had an athlete in the past that, you know, I I give my athletes choices. You know, what what do you feel like you can do today on the event? And they're often, they look at me like a deer in the headlights with what? And they ask, I've I've never been asked that question before. So giving the respect um, right. first and foremost is the, the most important thing. And I think that, you know, it, it definitely starts with the security of who they feel comfortable with any queer or transgender person. They need to be, be comfortable with who they're surrounding themselves with. And when you come onto a gymnastics team, whether it is a college team or a club team or an adult gymnastics team, 
you want to feel comfortable with the pe people that you're, you're sharing this part of your life with. And I think that that takes a while to happen. But for coaches, you know, in this day and age, you have to understand that you're getting several athletes that are coming from different backgrounds. And that is happening everywhere at every institution across the country not just at a UCLA, but it's happening to any of any school around the country where you're getting, you know, anyone from any ethnicity to any sexual orientation and being able to be open to help guide that young person with any help or assistance or finding that help or assistance is a really important thing. For those coaches that don't feel like they're educated enough, there are such great resources out there on every campus in this country you can find an LGBTQ center on the campuses and, and or allies who will be able to help you. And, and that's the beauty of university is, is that, you, you know, within athletic departments, there are, are you know, um, different organizations that help students figure out who they are. And, and that's what I think coaches really need to embrace at the collegiate level. At the club level, I, I, I feel that, you know, Sometimes they're overwhelmed with so many gymnasts, but there are, every gymnast is completely different. There is not one human being that's exactly the same. So first of all, being a positive role model to your gymnast to make them want to achieve their goals and dreams is, is by far the most important thing, but really getting to understand who they are. And, and, and hopefully parents feel comfortable enough to approach club coaches to be able to say, hey, my son or daughter is, and we want to know how you feel about that. And I think many of the people in our community have been around people in the LGBT community, Q community a great deal. So I don't feel that it's a far stretch to get a coach to understand, to be, I don't wanna say more sensitive, but to be more real yeah. and to be more loving and, and um, nurturing. Yeah. Hopefully that answers your question. I feel like it sure does. Great. Yeah, it does. Good. No, it does. Okay. So um, I'm going to reframe these Twitter questions a little bit. Um, but what has been your experience um, working with athletes who are trans? Um, or working with organizations like Athlete Ally, where they're like talking about rules and regulations. Um, and what are your feelings about rules that are specific to like testosterone levels and um, things that seem to be really limiting for trans people, but also people who might just like have higher testosterone level? Um, have you been able to be a part of those conversations? What are your thoughts? Um, the, the latter part of that question, I have not been a part of, unfortunately. You know, the, those things I was not really in conversations with. As far as athlete ally, I feel that um, had we had athlete ally 15 years ago, um, the young woman that had an issue with me being gay would have had an outlet for herself to be able to go and speak with somebody that that could have talked her through it. Um, thank goodness we had a, a sports psychologist um, at UCLA that we worked with and, and that that person was really great and instrumental in helping her understand that I'm just Randy 
And um, I, I feel that Athlete Ally now is such a great outlet for young people to get resources. And, and ultimately what it comes down to is education. The more we can educate people on the fact that we're just normal people, yeah. then we're not going to be seen as something different. We're just people. Yeah. And, you know, I just watched the movie, um, and we can cut this out, but we just watched, mm. watched the movie Jojo Rabbit. Mm. I don't know if you guys have seen that yet, but no, it's a not. very interesting take on Nazi Germany. Right. Just how, um, you know, Jews were, were um, approached and thought of back then and how you know, everyone thought, oh, they had horns and they, you know, had tails growing. And it's just like, you know, it's just the queer people. Oh, they're going to attack you just because they're queer, you know. Uh, it, it's such misconceptions because people are ignorant. People need the education. And I, I, I feel fortunate enough to be in a time when um, there are resources for people to get educated if they choose to. And that's the biggest thing is, is getting people to be educated. Um, yeah. I, I almost feel like it should maybe not necessarily be mandated, but it should be a part of curriculum with universities, um, you know, just like hazing or bullying that, that it should be talked about. You know, it should be an open forum for all student athletes and students to experience that so that they, they can have a better understanding of people in general. I agree 100%. <laughs> yeah. I tried to make that my job, but nobody wanted to listen. Um, <laughs> we'll keep fighting we'll for it. We can do that. We'll get there. Um, the other uh, question is, uh, how do we get more boys into gymnastics? Yeah, that's a tough one. You know, I, I think we're getting to that point now where um, – you know, there, there are so many other sports out there and there, you know, there's BMX is now kind of taking off and skateboarding is becoming an Olympic sport. And you have all these different things that our kids are really getting to be exposed to. And I think a lot of kids are not exposed to gymnastics unless they have a sister that's going to gymnastics and they tag along and mm -hmm. go, Oh, I see boys out there. Um, you know, I'm, you know, in my, my own business now, I'm working with uh, young female gymnasts currently, but I have set up some workshops where I'm actually going to be working with some boys teams and, and their approach and how, how they go through the recruiting process. It's been a long time since I've been a male gymnast, um, especially at the college world. So I've, I've reached out to many of the NCAA men's coaches to get some feedback on how they perceive and recruit and do things to be, so that I can best be educated on how to help these young boys. Yeah. I, think, I assume you know, it's much harder to I, recruit. I think, I think because there's less schools, it's definitely yeah. much harder. And, you know, on the men's side, they, they have a harder time with um, recruiting walk-ons because they may have a more limited roster that they can only have. Yeah. Um, okay. So I don't know all those answers. I'm just assuming, and that's really bad of me to assume because you know what that does. I think <laughs> it is like smaller amounts of scholarships and – they like do I have know, a yeah. amount of scholarships, yes. I know at Michigan, people have gotten like 1% scholarships before. Like there's all sorts of stuff that the men have yeah. to deal with. You know, at, the, at the end of the day, I think, you know, our 
sport is so expensive that we we want to keep kids involved in it with working with the collegiate gymnastics growth initiative i have been working with universities and in making presentations to make them understand that there are different models to how you can start a program and that goes for 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 not only women's gymnastics but for men's gymnastics on the college level too so i think you know, it's, it's getting the people that are not necessarily um, gymnastics people to understand that this can happen and this can, this can work for you. Um, we made a presentation last fall to a school that had just added men's wrestling um, three years prior to that. So I think there's definitely room if an athletic director sees the value to it and sees that it would be something that the community would want to be a part of. Yeah, yep. men's wrestling is also a sport that's falling off of college rosters as a as someone who has family members who are very offended by that (laughs) college wrestling is one of those sports that's just like just like mag starting to fall fall apart but i think you know the the whole in my opinion being a former male gymnast i i think the men's side of the sport is really kind of spectacular they're crazy they do some crazy stuff and they do just boggles my mind that they don't, you know, hire somebody if they can to promote and market and get a PR person to really kind of put their own thing together. And, and, you know, now with USA Gymnastics in such a turmoil, they, they need to brand themselves differently. Um, but I don't control that part of the world. So it's definitely, I feel like it's something that the men's side has needed and wanted for a long time. And I feel like the sport of men's gymnastics should be um, growing versus declining now. God, I hope so. I have ideas, but it would be like another A hour of me just being itself. like, here's how we're going to fix it. Right. Uh, I have a plan. But, um, Always have a plan. I just... Uh, and I'm just here to help the plan. Somebody, <laughs> just somebody hired me to like fix it. That's all I... <laughs> Thank you so much, Randy, for being here and being our first guest. Uh, we super, super appreciate it. We could keep you here forever, but we Well, can. great. I'd love to stay here forever. <laughs> you know, um, there's a couple plugs that I'd love to talk to you guys about because I think Please. they are yes. really valuable for our sport. And, and that is, you know, the Collegiate Gymnastics Growth Initiative. We, you know, I'll tell you, we spoke to five different universities this past year, well, four and we are going to be speaking to another one in the next couple of weeks. And I'm very confident that there will be a women's gymnastics team added to an, an NCAA gymnastics team added. Um, I, I've, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because this, yeah. is, this is what we're all about. And this is what we've been wanting to, to get athletic directors and presidents of universities to understand how great our sport is. And we finally have one who is, they're chomping at the bit to make a um, announcement. I'm not allowed to say who, yeah. but I'll definitely uh. let you guys know when it happens. Um, but it, it, it's, it's really nice to see that our sport is on the verge of growing because of the popularity and creating more opportunities for young gymnasts is ultimately our, our dream and our goal. And, um, you know, our, the CGGI is working on a lot of different components, um, one being the ambassadors. They are 10 great women who are doing great things for us. Um, you know, eventually maybe we'll get the men to kind of do something like that as well. 
Um, but it, it's definitely been a great thing having those 10 women represent our association and our sport. And I, I feel very confident that they're going to continue doing great things for us. Um, as far as me, um, I'm doing this little business called CoachRandyLane.com. Um, if you haven't it's seen beautiful. my website, it's, it's really fun. Pang, Pang Lee was my um, uh, inspiration for my logo. She uh, gave me permission to use her likeness. So um, I wanted to, <laughs> if you can see the colors in it, you I know, I love the it. Colors of the rainbow are there. So I think that that tells a lot about who I am and what, what I stand for. But you know, I, I'm doing a recruiting workshop business and, and helping the next generation of young women and, and now men um, discover the right path for them or the start of the right path for them in their, their quest to be collegiate gymnasts. So I feel really great about that. I have a lot of workshops um, lined up for the summer, um, but I have still a lot of space available. So <laughs> if you're out there and you need me to come do a recruiting workshop for you, call me now. So. I love it. Um, okay, so I know website is coachrandylane.com. Where else do we need people to find you? You know, I think that the, one of the best things that, you know, besides myself, you know, I'm on the, the, the Twitter and I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. You can find me in any of those places, Coach Randy Lane um, or CRL. Um, but, but following the WCGA um, is really valuable information of the growth of our sport continuing. So if people could start following us on those social media sites as well, that would be really appreciated. And I think you're going to see some fun things from us in the future. Um, we do have a flipping 5K festival coming up in Fort Worth. Yeah. Um, it's our second annual Flippin' 5K. So last year it was a great success. The gymnastics came out to support us. Um, so you can sign up today, but uh, make sure you check back on all of our social medias to um, sign up for that. Even virtually sign up. You can, you can go out and race at home. So Perfect. Yeah. You're not going to get me to run, but I will support I however run. I can. You can walk. You can only ever run walk for three like miles. Perfect. You'll be fine. You can get yeah, me to walk. I'll walk three miles. Great. A lot. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Randy. We really appreciate it. You are yes. so welcome. And if there's any time or anything that I can do for you guys to help you line anybody else up, um, let me know. Oh, we will. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.